Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Welcome to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burroughs. From deep in quarantine central, I will be joined by my partner from the regular season, Hilo FF. And Mark and I will take you through some of the free agent moves. Um, He hasn't really gotten going with best ball yet, but I'm pretty deep into it. And I have used the Rotoviz tool um, or, you know, I, I did, because I like the charting, but you could also use Darren Armani's Fantasy Mojo's um, site as well. Both are great deals. Both have great information. Uh, but the point is for Mark and I to analyze the moves, current ADP, and who we like and who we don't. So um, I do want to talk a little bit about the virus. You know, I want to wish each and every one of my listeners uh, the best during this, whether it's uh, emotional, financial, and of course, health-wise. I pray that the Lord God bless each and every one of you and keep you safe um, in the name of Jesus. And if you don't believe like I do, that's okay. Um, But um, that prayer is for each person that uh, hears this. Uh, All right. So without any further ado, Mark, welcome back. What's up, man? Long time no talk. Stoked to be back. Yeah, you've been, uh, you were sheltering before you were sheltering. Oh my God, dude. I've been in this house for far too long. Yeah, it was, uh, took me about six weeks to do the full reno. Still not completely done. Uh, got to put some baseboards down. Uh, but kitchen took forever. It's it's Uh, never done. As a homeowner, it's never done. Because yeah. just when you got, fix everything, something else will break. Yeah. I was laying hardwood floors by myself. Uh, that took me about 11 days to do 3,000-plus square feet, so that was no joke. Uh, but it got it in and got it done before the movers came, so that was big. All right. So, you know, it's kind of hard to focus on football on one hand, on the uh, uh, you know, and financially to invest, but at the same time, Uh, We need to do things to keep ourselves sane. There is a chance we won't have an NFL season, but it's way too early to call that. So um, we will go ahead. And the biggest news, the biggest situation, I think, was the ridiculous DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and a swap of picks trade that Bob made. Um, I mean, he had, I thought, pretty much done as bad a job as you can possibly do. Uh, But he found a new low uh, by trading Hopkins for what he did. When you look at what they got for Diggs the next day, 
Uh, how stunned were you with this trade? Living in Arizona now, uh, it was mixed emotions with, oh, my God, what just happened? And then, oh, my God, that's unbelievable for the Cardinals. Yeah, that was, a, that was an insane trade. The Cardinals were looking for any opportunity just to dump David, Wilson, or David Johnson uh, with that contract. And they found it and got a top three wide receiver in the NFL, both fantasy-wise and, uh, you know, real football-wise. Uh, in return. It's just, it's incredible how they made that happen. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, It is, um, it's kind of like, you know, it's a double win, right? Not only did you get a tremendous value for the, you know, arguably the number one wide receiver in football, uh, he certainly was either one, two, or three off the board each of the last three years, I believe. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And um, but you got rid of the David Johnson contract at the same time. I mean, it's 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 like it's like uh, I, I I don't even I can't uh, words fail me. Uh, you know, it's There's like no- it's like ha- having the most you know the most beautiful girl fall in love with you and then finding out she's also a millionaire. I mean, it's just like, you can't believe your luck. And then it just gets better. I thought we would never see a trade like the Marshall Falk trade again, but this is up there with that, how piss poor it was for one side. All right. So let's, let's look at the Cardinal side of this first. Um, If you look at, uh, ADP Hopkins has actually gone down a little bit um, yeah. since the move, and I don't. I, I, I guess I don't get that. Um, Kenyon Drake has, um, you know, gone up a little bit, which makes sense because he was already going very high, and the people who took him early really got out of jail free because you know David Johnson would have played a healthy David Johnson would have been a pretty reasonable threat to some of Drake's workload. And, and now he's out the door. Uh, You know, what I want to ask you, Mark, is when I look at the Cardinals and you know, I had about as much Cardinals as anybody last year, that offense really does spread it around. How much of that do you think was the fact that they didn't have a guy like Hopkins and how much of it do you think is just the fact that when you have four wide receivers and you're playing the reads, uh, there's only going to be so much uh, volume for the number one guy? I think it was a little bit of everything. You look at last season, it was basically a rookie NFL co- uh, head coach, a rookie NFL quarterback. And for those two to come together and develop and pick up a system and to be able to, you know, implement that system in the first year, there were obviously going to be some growing pains. Now we're going into year two with them, you know, players and coach being together. Now you have DeAndre Hopkins coming in to join uh, Larry Fitzgerald, an all-time great who has done everything that he really could to adjust his game to where his body was going to extend his career. And that's going to pay huge dividends for all the young talent they have. Uh, in that wide receiver room. So I think you're going to see some 
some gains in the box scores for the Cardinals this year on offense. Um, and, you know, last year, looking at Kyler, 542 pass attempts. I think that's likelier than not to jump up to 565, 75 range. Um, so a, a, a small increase in passing volume, and with that, I think you're going to see heavier uh, increase in efficiency as that offense has had time to grow, the learning, you know, the growing pains have had time to work themselves out, uh, and now with with Nuke coming to town, uh, you get that alpha that's going to draw number one cornerback coverage, which they didn't have last year. So I'm, uh, I'm very high on Arizona offense uh, moving forward this year. Yeah, I, I think also – <clears throat> Nook and or Nuke and uh, Kyler are perfect for each other in the sense that Kyler is very accurate and he throws into some tight windows and there was nobody who would catch the ball and even fits really. And, you know, uh, Nuke is just the guy who is, you know, it doesn't matter. Two guys draped all over him. He makes the catch. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know what to make of him as a, a true number one, but I do know that um, in an offense that should score a lot of points, he is, um, you know, worthy of his draft position at the end of the first round, uh, maybe even a little earlier. And it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Uh you know, Drake Drake is another perfect fit for that offense. And now I guess the only question for the Cardinals is, you know, what are you going to do to improve the offensive line that was like a jailbreak all the time? Um, if they can address that offensive line, and I'm surprised they haven't at least tried so far, not that I've seen, um, but if they can get two or three guys in the draft, it, 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 you know, it could really be a good thing. Yeah, so from a fantasy perspective, we want to see the Cardinals focus on the offensive line. They have, from a fan's perspective, they have needs on both sides of the ball up front. So the inside linebackers, the offensive line, and the defensive line is really where they need uh, to put emphasis on the draft. So where they go in the draft is really where we can either temper our expectations a little or really, really get excited about this team if they put a lot of effort into that offensive line. Got it. Got it. All right. So Kyler is now going in the fifth round of drafts. I thought he was, um, I thought he was pretty, uh, you know, high as it was. And I love Kyler, but fifth round, any quarterback is really hard to stomach in a best ball. Yeah. It's, it's still at such a flat scoring position, you're pretty much you're looking at either Mahomes, L. Jacks, which I'm still not taking a quarterback that early or waiting. Um, yes, Kyler, I expect to make that jump, but where I'm going to look to get my exposure is through the other uh, skill position players in that offense as opposed to the quarterback. Christian Kirk has dropped <clears throat> due to the trade, and I thought he was going a little early. Um, he is now dropped down into the almost around pick 90, 95. Uh, and at that place, I think that he um, is a, is a, is another reasonable choice 
in best ball drafts. Yeah, there's a couple of guys around that range that really have things set up well for them. I don't think Christian Kirk, he's being taken wide receiver 36 range, and there's really no downside at that position, at that pick. Um, another guy in that range, I know we're going to talk about him a little later, but Will Fuller and Christian Kirk are basically being drafted wide receiver 34 and 36 right now, so right in that same range. And the especially for best ball, those guys at a end of wide receiver three range, there's really no downside. It's, it's pretty much all upside, especially in best ball. Yeah, and something the Cardinals did show last year was that whenever it was that wide receiver's week, um, they would have a big week, you know, and get two touchdowns. Um, and I think it has to do with the reads and the way that offense works. And so if a defense is, you know, forming on one strategy, it opens up the other wide receiver in the offense. So I think, you know, we, uh, we've talked a lot about spike weeks in, at all positions, uh, but especially at wide receivers, you just mentioned Will Fuller and the spike week potential there. Uh, he has really raced up draft boards uh, though, probably more than anybody uh, going from, I would say, somewhere around 120 to about 90. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I, I just took him the other day, and I think that, you know, depending on the, the, the makeup of your wide receiver uh, group, which is an underrated part of best ball, uh, you know, mixing uh, spike week guys with some stable guys, um, I think obviously he's a good choice. The the best value I think out of the the draft, uh, out of the trade is Deshaun Watson, who has seen his ADP absolutely uh, plummet uh, since the trade. So he's gone down significantly. He was going in the right around the 60th pick, and now he is, you know, sometimes even in the eighth ninth round. Uh, if you can find him there, I still think he profiles as a spike week quarterback. And because quarterback scoring is so flat, I I value spike week quarterbacks more than any other position for spike uh, because, you know, that's what's, you know, you mix a, a spike week quarterback with a, a more steady guy and uh, and take advantage of those 36 to 40 point weeks. Yeah, there's a, there are some sneaky quarterback values, especially for best ball, where you're, like you said, hunting for that spike week, that I'm still not comfortable paying, you know, 72 to 80 ADP range for Deshaun Watson. Um, I just wouldn't have been in there to begin with, and it hasn't fallen enough to where I'm comfortable. Like, you know, you got guys like um, Matt Ryan, who's – right now at ADP quarterback eight, you got guys like the ultimate who has been underrated right now. Ben Roethlisberger is at quarterback 20, the 132nd overall pick. And he's for five years, everyone was talking about how big Ben you can expect. He's got a good shot at a spike week for half his games, his home games. And now he's basically been forgotten about after, after that year lost to injury. So there's just a, a little bit too much, quarterback value later on for me to spend up for Deshaun there? Well, I, I, I think round eight or nine, 
I think he's a, a value. I, I <clears throat> you know, Ben has injury concerns. I, I would be a little too concerned with going heavy on him. But where I've um, gone after Ben is when I've gotten Deontay Johnson or especially if I've gotten Juju. I think that uh, I think that uh, Juju, if you've got him, he's a great value, late third, early fourth, uh, really has upside. And, you know, you match him with Ben, and I think that's a really good thing. I even had all three of uh, them. And one of my favorite, favorite late wide receivers uh, right now, 15th, 16th, uh, he's, he's been going after the kicker run is uh, James Washington. You want to talk about a guy who profiles. He really made a step at year two, and people are so enamored with Deontay. I think James Washington is a beautiful pick late. Yep, concur there. I like it. All right, let's go to the next situation, which is uh, Tom Terrific ending up in Tampa Bay. Um, is this a trade? I mean, is this a move that is better for real football than fantasy football, Mark? Yes and no. Um, I think that right now we're still – so I'm kind of confused about this from a macro perspective in best ball because – you have everyone and their mother talking about how Tom Brady doesn't, can't throw deep anymore, how he's a game manager, how we'll see if it was Belichick or him, whatever. But Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are still going wide receiver six and wide receiver seven back to back. So the sentiment does not match what is actually happening in these drafts. And in my eyes. Which is why, I, why I asked the question, because yeah, um, th- so. they, they've both gone down a little bit in ADP. Meanwhile, O.J. Howard and Brady are flying up the boards. And, you know, I, I, I mean, my personal thought is that Godwin in that offense is, is a very solid second-round pick. Uh, I think losing the turnovers of Jameis is a negative overall for that offense. But at the same time, Brady, uh, and again, we, was it Belichick? Was it McDaniel? Was it Brady? But Brady was part of a, a team that never took its foot off the gas. And Bruce Arians has no problem putting 40 points on you. Mm-hmm. So, another, so that's another, my thought on it. Another aspect, that team is, is, Tampa Bay is going to make or break a lot of people's years in best ball. So, if, if Godwin and Mike Evans are both going in the second round, wide receiver six and seven respectively, you're going to have to pick the right one. So in my mind... So, so basically is, just like uh, DFS last year. Exactly. You're, you're, except in DFS, there were weeks where you basically, for about half a year, you needed one of them and you had to pick right if you wanted to, you know, make a run at a GPP. This year with their ADP for best ball being in the second round, I don't think that you need to take the risk on picking one of those guys. If you want to get exposure to Tampa Bay, you have Tom Brady, who is going at the end of the quarterback one range, and then you have his, two of his wide receivers who are both in the, in the wide receiver one 
right in the thick of it at wide receiver six and seven. So I would choose to get my exposure to that offense through Tom Brady, if anything. Yeah. And that's, and that's very fair Uh, to me. The issue is that um, we still haven't seen um, where it's going to end up. But right now I think Godwin can pay off the second round value, but I don't see a huge upside. And Evans, I mm-hmm. think, is going to end up giving third or fourth round value, which is, a, you know, not going to kill you if you take him in the second round. Uh, if he stays healthy and has a good year, I mean, there's a lot of guys in that range that I'm not in love with. So, what, you know, you know, I don't think Evans is a bad pick per se, but at the same time, every time I'm looking at it, I'm sitting there thinking what you just said, which is, you know, where else can I go? And, uh, you the, know. The big problem with, taking any wide receiver really in the second round of best ball drafts is you're pretty much putting yourself at a disadvantage with with respect to the running back position. So you're going to have to piece together upside running back later. And just from a macro drafting perspective, I think it makes much more sense to even start running back, running back, and then get your upside wide receivers with a little bit of floor third, fourth, fifth round, and then pile on the upside guys a little bit later, like we were talking about ninth, 10th, 11th round. I I agree. I agree. And I disagree. I agree. In theory, in practice, we're finding that the rookie running backs have since the combine have gone up two to three rounds each Uh, Taylor Swift and um, Dobbins are all going now at places where we don't even know where they're going to land. If they're going to be lead backs, there's not that many situations out there where you could say this team needs a running back and they're going to give him a full workload. I don't know if Swift and Dobbins are even that kind of profile of a back. And then you look at the other running backs going in that area. You've got Melvin Gordon who, you know, still has Philip Lindsay there. That's not a great pick. Uh, Gurley, Singletary. So I'm very fine with take, you know, I could see now that it's stabilized taking Drake there. Uh, But, uh, you know, that's why I don't, I've been taking a lot of Galladay. I've been taking a lot of Amari, uh, you know, uh, DJ Moore. And not that I love it, but I don't mind the wide receiver there. And then when you go into the, uh, you know, the fourth round, you know, James Conner, Marlon Mack, Mark Ingram, um, you know, carry yeah. on Johnson, David uh, Montgomery, even though I don't love the player, Damian Williams. So, uh, you know, for me in practice, I've been going running back wide receiver in a lot of drafts and then getting my running backs in the fourth and fifth round and feeling like overall I've got a better team. Yeah, that's a really solid point. I'm glad, glad you brought that up with respect to specifically the rookie running backs going that high. And you are 100%, if you're taking a rookie running back before the NFL draft, you are basically, at that ADP, you are drafting to their ceiling only. There is zero floor baked into that. You have all risk and literally nothing to gain. So I would highly yeah. recommend 
bypassing any running back. I don't care. This was, this is true every year except for when a Saquon Barkley comes out. And there, I'm sorry, but there is not a Saquon Barkley in this running back class. Yeah, so, I, I didn't. I like I like Taylor's tape, and I just I, I'm not sold on Dobbins and Swift. I think Swift is an amazing running uh, receiver, uh, and Dobbins I just question. You know, but both Swift and Dobbins, I don't know that they're between the tackles running backs every down. Uh, I, I, I just don't know. And to, like you said, to take them at a third round ADP when you don't even know where they're going, you know, when, when you're passing on guys like Juju and Evans and Allen Robinson and DJ Moore and Galladay, um, no thank you for me. Oh, even Odell Beckham. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, he's still Odell Beckham. I know it was a bad year, but he was hurt, and and the whole offense should be improved. Uh, so I, I I don't know uh, about that one. So I think we've covered that move. Uh, Let me you know, throw one last plug in with what you said earlier, dude. Um, there is one running back who I think is the value in drafts early. That you you mentioned his name going in the fourth round, which is absurd. At RB twenty three is James Connor. You look at the Steelers from a macro perspective; they have just over ten million cap space remaining. They are not going to have anything to delegate or even with draft picks to the running back position. So you got a guy who's running behind still a top seven, eight offensive line. They're aging. Yes, but they're still a solid unit with a lot of uh, the guys returning and who have played together for a very long time. And then you have James Conner who's being taken at RB 23. And that is just, it doesn't add up from a risk reward perspective. You're getting a guy in the fourth round who has as good a shot of anybody of putting up, you know, a middle RB one score at the end of the year. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and uh, I'm trying to look up my ownership, and I forget how to do it with uh, FFPC. I'm going to switch over to Fanball. Um, but uh, definitely, I have a ton of James Conner. That's what I was going to try and uh, show you. But let me go to – let me switch over Just to – Go ahead. Keep talking while I'm, I'm while, doing this. Yeah, while you're looking that up, just to put that in perspective, there are three rookie running backs going ahead of James Conner currently. I will take a wager from anybody for any amount that not two of those will surpass James Conner end of year. There's just no chance. It's just not happening. Okay, I just figured what I did wrong, but I'll just do it on uh... – Fanball right now. My number one owned player is Antonio Brown, uh, Preston Williams, Tony Pollard, Hunter Henry, Cleveland Browns defense. Uh, Connor, I had a ton of early. It looks like I, I, I got five shares. So that's a, that's a pretty good amount. Uh, let me go back to FFPC. Well, I have to put in my email. My number one owned player 
And this is the other way to play the, and my, my number one and number five own players on FFPC are running backs, but uh, it's AJ Dillon and Anthony McFarland. Um, I really like both those guys tape and they're basically free in drafts. I mean, Dillon isn't as free as he was, uh, but that to me is the way you play a rookie running back. James Conner, I have 27%. I've got 55% of Dylan and 36% of McFarland out of the gate. Um, And I think that that is, um, you know, that's the way that I want to play rookie running backs. Give me the guy who, you know, if he lands in the right spot, can give you fifth round value. And I I think, what do you think of McFarland? I really liked his tape. I like his tape. I'm not a big tape guy, to be honest, but I like what I've heard from people who I trust who are tape guys, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of how I get my, that's how I get my tape study. I, you, you find a, I'm just not good at, you know, I don't have the time with how analytical I get into the numbers and everything to really watch tape in depth. So find guys you, you know, you, or who you trust who are tape grinders, if you're not good at that. And that's kind of, if that's, kind of is a convoluted way to answer that question. Yep. Um, all right, let's go to the next situation, which is Todd Gurley signing with the Falcons. And that really made very little sense to me in the, in the way that they just got rid of a running back who was breaking down and signed a different running back who was breaking down. I get that it's Todd Gurley. Um, I, I think he's got more left in the tank clearly than Devonta Freeman. I was avoiding Freeman almost completely in drafts. I, you know, he's, he's just like that running back who went not only from a great situation, but he's a guy who, you know, a lot of times those guys don't sign until after the draft. And then they're, you know, fighting for a, a a part-time role. Uh, I'm so glad I faded him. Daryl Henderson is just, and Malcolm Brown, are just flying up draft boards. I know that Daryl Henderson is uh, a little risky uh, based on how he played last year, but you were talking about the Steelers cap situation. The Rams don't have any early picks. So while we we like to think they're going to add somebody, I just don't know how. Yeah, and to be honest, I don't think the Rams do add anybody, but I do think that you're going to see a heavier RB running back by committee uh, out of them. I think they're both going to be involved, and I think it's going to hamper the value of both of them. So, Yeah, I've, um, uh, I've got three shares of Henderson. That's up 19 points of value on Fanball. I had one share. Um, I, I've been more taking uh, Pollard and Madison, and I, I think that that, you know, but I was trying to mix them all up and I didn't mix them all up very good. But uh, right now, Madison, I've got 18% on FFPC. Howard, I told you, was one of my highest owned guys, 27%. And Henderson, I only have one share. And he is up <laughs> 42. I have an average discount of 42 points. So. Uh, what are your thoughts on Todd Gurley and um, his ADP mid-third round? Honestly, I think he's going to get the volume, 
And mid-third round, I'm willing to take some Todd Gurley there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think his price has gotten to a point where the the upside kind of outweighs some of the risks associated. And the reason I say that is because I think Atlanta went out and got Gurley because they liked his pass game acumen. They liked his ability to do everything on the field. Um, I don't know we're all speculating on what his snap rate will be, what his carries and, you know, how, how much of a game he's going to actually be on the field. But Atlanta clearly liked, you know, liked what he brings to the table, went out and got their guy. And Atlanta, you know, top three in the league in pass attempts the past two years. So they're, they're going to be throwing the ball. And for that reason, in a full point PPR point per reception format, I think Gurley's a solid choice there. I think he's, his floor is going to be elevated weekly due to that pass game involvement, uh, and you're obviously going to see some spike weeks associated with, uh, you know, when he gets in the end zone once or multiple times. It's a good offense. They don't throw to Julio in the red zone. Hooper's gone. I mean, Gurley could be a 10-12 touchdown guy. Um, you know, I, the, the, the one mystery to me in the Gurley situation was, that they stopped throwing him passes. I mean, it was such a big part of that offense. And they really, even at the end of the previous year, stopped doing it. And that's what made Gurley such a great fantasy player was that he would give you, you know, well, I don't know exactly how many catches, but he was giving you a lot of catches. And, and then you know, he was also rushing and uh, and and uh, giving you touchdowns. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I gotta think that they're gonna throw him the ball more than they did the last year and a piece in LA. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I think with his pass game involvement, it was purely an attempt to to manage his strain on his knees. They sunk all this money into competing for a two-year window. They sunk, They literally pushed all in and were like, we're making a run at the Super Bowl for the next two years. That didn't happen, and now we're seeing the fallout of that with the Rams. They got rid of Gurley. They're, gonna, they're shopping cooks. They're, they're doing all these moves because they don't have the cap space to do anything now. Um, so in my mind, that was a load management to keep him fresher for the playoff run that they were hoping for. Um, that's why at the end of the year you saw some more girly like box scores uh, because they basically, in my mind, they were shopping him at that point. I got you. Um, all right. So let's move on to the next situation, which is uh, Stefan Diggs trade. And, I, you know, Diggs has actually seen his ADP it rose a little bit and then it's kind of dipped back to where it was. And I think people have this Josh Allen, you know, view that they had before he was drafted. And I still see all these inaccurate Josh Allen posts, but the guy raised his completion percentage from 53 to 58. Typically quarterbacks, the first three years, you see a bump in completion percentage every year, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if he got to 60, 62%. 
And yeah, he's going to overthrow Diggs sometimes. But when Diggs makes, you know, the one thing Kirk Cousins didn't let the ball out of his hand in time. And, and I don't think people realize that, that, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was dinking and dunking and dropping off and, you know, basically they, they drilled it into his head not to make mistakes. And, you know, so it's not about how many times Josh Allen throws it over Diggs' head. It's what about the time he puts it right on him after he made a great move and the ball is there and, you know, boom, it's right there with Allen's arm and Diggs is off and running. So, I think Diggs in the fifth round is a tremendous best ball pick. So I have a little issue with that. And basically it comes down to really, I don't see in the fifth round, I'm looking, I'm still looking for a little bit of floor to go with my upside. And for me, Diggs even more so than he was is more spike than any floor with Buffalo. The reason for that is I think Buffalo is going to be a lot more competitive this year. They have a solid defense. They're going to be in games late. I don't think that you're going to see the same volume that Diggs needs. You know, and Diggs is the receiver that he can hang five, 102 on seven targets. But that's really, that's really at that ADP, that's really what you're banking on is, is those spike week upsides. And, for me, guys that are being drafted right around Diggs, Calvin Ridley, Adam Thielen, they're back-to-back uh, basically sandwiching Diggs. I would much rather take stabs um, on either Ridley or Thielen at that ADP. I like all three of them. Uh, Thielen, I was getting in the sixth round before the trade, and I was just loading up. Um, mm-hmm. He's the perfect example of a guy who was hurt, and people forget how good he is. Uh, but, you know, my, again, this is maybe where you and I are a little different. You're not a huge best ball guy. I, I really am. Mm-hmm. And when you make a roster for best ball, spike weeks, you know, if you get seven, eight really good weeks out of a, a fifth-round wide receiver and the other weeks he's given you eight to 10, 12 points, that's a great floor. Right. Because it's one of the things you really have to think about in best ball is how many usable weeks are you going to get out of a guy and how many weeks is he going to help you to win the league? Yeah, there might be three or four weeks where Diggs just doesn't do either. But when you look at the fifth round, that that's okay there. And you get to build the rest of, you know, wide receiver, you're drafting seven in uh, fan ball eight in FFPC and only eight for two spots. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I think this was a good count point counterpoint on this and I'll let you get the I last got a ca- word. I got a counterpoint to your counterpoint. So who has seen his ADP, you know, jump off a cliff after the dig signing? Well, his new teammate, John Brown. So in my mind, you still are seeing the same ceiling or spike week, possibilities as you would get with digs probably two to three maybe four less spike weeks with john brown but you're getting him at a wide receiver 39 valuation where you can pair him uh you could do the team pair and take both of them and get those alternating spike weeks but again 
I don't think you're going to see as many spike weeks out of Buffalo as opposed to taking a Calvin Ridley or a Thielen and pairing him with John Brown, if that makes sense. We've, uh, that's a fair point. Um, I Brown, actually, if you look at the chart I'm looking at, really hasn't dropped that much. You know, maybe okay. around, maybe. Um, so I, I think that John Brown was a good pick a couple weeks ago. He's an average pick now. Um, I, I just am a, you know, look, I'm a big digs guy. I always have been. I mean, he is a one, a wide, he's got wide receiver one talent and he just wasn't being used that way. He might not. I get the whole, it was not the ideal landing spot for him, but I think that people have taken that a little too far. And I think that for the fifth round, you're getting first, second, a uh, second, third round talent out of a guy. And um, I think that there's a very reasonable chance that he pays off second or third round value. All right. That'll do it on that. Uh, Theo and we talked about Josh Allen has gone up a little bit. Kirk Cousins has dropped on the move. Um, and I think that Cousins numbers shouldn't be affected too much. Two guys who I didn't look up, um, but I, I am going to be neglectful if I don't. Because I've been taking both of them since I've been taking both of them since uh, the move is uh, Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. I think they're both Paul winners here. I think they're both winners here. Irv, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Kyle Rudolph is is going like pick two hundred on Fanball. And like 175 for Irv Smith. I think those are both really good picks. Now let me go look at FFPC, the tight end premium. Irv is actually going before Rudolph at tight end 24, 148 overall. And Rudolph tight end 27, 173 overall. Yeah. So uh, Rudolph, I mean, Rudolph's a talented guy. And uh, I think both of them are really good picks right now, especially Rudolph. Yeah, 100%. And I think we're going to see a little bit of what we saw last season when Thielen was injured, you know, increased two tight end sets out of Minnesota. And Irv Smith, I'd have to look it up, but I think he was approaching 60% snap rate with Rudolph uh, slightly above that. So you're going to see – a lot more tight, two tight end sets. Yes, that's one alluding to how much they want to run the ball, but two, they're just looking to get their most talented pass catchers on the field. Well, that gets me to my boy Madison, who I've been loading up on. You know, he's a guy who, you know, they showed that they're going to give him the ball, right? He's going to, he, you know, he's going to get a decent workload, and that was as a rookie. Typically, they increase that workload a little bit year two. And if doubt, you know, so I think, you know, taking him as your fifth wide receiver on fan ball, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th round, sometimes uh, Pollard and him, I think both have pretty decent floors. And then if you get that injury, you got a league winner. Uh, last year, there was no league winner out of those type of guys. So I think people are down on the concept a little bit, uh, but you, you got to get over your last year's bias 
the reason those guys were going in the sixth, seventh, eighth round, uh, you know, uh, at times last year by the Sharps was because of what they can do if there's an injury. And so now getting them back where they really should be getting drafted in a normal year is uh, a great value. Thought? Nope. Agreed. All right. Let's go to uh, Philip Rivers and the Colts. Um, I, I didn't look up the ADP move from uh, Rivers. I'll do that now. What what do you I mean I I'm, I think it's an underwhelming signing I I I I just do but it'll be interesting um, he you know he'll be with a coach who knows what to do with them his ADP but he, you know he's still going in the one forties uh, the real mm-hmm. value to me I was drafting a lot of them and he hasn't moved an inch is T Y Hilton. That's another guy who Agreed. was hurt a lot last year. You know, getting T.Y. Hilton in the seventh, eighth round is just ridiculous. Agreed. And it happens He's off the board. Wide receiver 29. Yeah, ADP of 77. So sixth, yep. seventh round. All, all aboard at that price for sure. Yep. And that's, uh, that's FFPC. On Fanball, Hilton is going... Wide receiver, I mean, number 71. So, you know, and you want to talk about spike weeks. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is Mr. Spike Week. He was a second-round pick two years ago, uh, maybe even last year with luck. And, you know, Rivers didn't look like the same Phillip Rivers, but historically he's thrown a pretty good deep ball. But the great thing about Hilton is you don't need to throw a bomb for him to break one. Yeah, I'd envision – I'd compare Hilton with Rivers to more so to Keenan Allen than an outside threat. And I think um, you got Reich at the helm who's calling plays. He really is one of the most underrated game managers and play callers that is out there. Uh, so I really like CY at that price. The biggest factor to me is the upgrade for Rivers in the offensive line. Now you're now you're going behind one of the best offensive lines in the league, which gives Hilton time to run his routes, which and you've got a running game that you have to be very careful about. I I think you know it it really opens it up. I've been a, a, you know a, every year I seem to draft a lot of Jack Doyle, and um, he's going. One, he's going beginning of the 13th round on Fanball, and there's no rookie wide receiver or tight ends that yet that you, you know he's going ADP of 121, uh, 10th round in FFPC. I, I mean, you know, it's not an exciting name. But I think that, you know, Jack Doyle is a great value. You know what is probably the funniest storyline with all this offseason movement so far is in, is in, or it's from the Chargers. They waited until after Phillip Rivers left to beef up their offensive line. They signed Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner uh, to play tackle and guard, respectively. That, it's hilarious to me. 
that Rivers had to deal with such a shit offensive line for so long, and then he leaves and they beef it up. Yeah, that is uh, that's pretty funny. All right, let's uh, let's real quickly talk about the Chargers. Keenan Allen is dropping to the fourth round. I I enjoy I like taking him there. I know that he you know the situation isn't ideal, but he's one of the best route runners in the league. And Tyrod Taylor, you know, if it is Tyrod Taylor, is you know he's not terrible. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I've also been drafting a lot of Hunter Henry, seventh round, uh, at, on Fanball. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the, the Chargers situation? Yeah, I'm out on Keenan. Um, I like right now Austin Eckler and uh, middle of the second round at RB11. That's a ceiling price to pay, in my opinion. I think you would do better to wait until the Chargers bring in or announce that Justin Jackson is going to see more workload because they're basically you're not going to see a huge bump in pure touches for Eckler this year. Uh, in my opinion. So right now you have an overreaction. His ADP is uh, extremely high. I would wait until they bring somebody in or they announce that Justin Jackson is going to see 180 whatever carries, something like that. Uh, and then his I, ADP I, I like Justin Jackson, but he is a small running back. I mean, we you know we talked earlier, or, or I did, about the rookie running backs, and we don't know where they're going to land. I mean, would it shock you in the second round if the Chargers took a running back? It would from a what they should do standpoint. No, but what I they said the Chargers. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it wouldn't shock me uh, in the slightest. But I, I could see them putting some draft capital into the running back position um, or once this – coronavirus shit settles down and they can get together as a team. I could, I could see beat writers or reports coming out of their camp that uh, Justin Jackson is going to see 180, something like that rushes, something like that this year. I I'm going to say that there are four um, in the first, in the first four rounds, they will draft at least one running back. So the question is, which round is it going to be? I mean, they, you know, teams tend to be very consistent. They had Eckler, they re-signed him. He's a valuable guy. They didn't break the bank on him, but they always mixed him in with a guy like Melvin Gordon. It might be Justin Jackson, but my guess is um, an A.J. Dillon could end up there. You know, that guy who can pound it near the goal line, give Mm -hmm. you what Eckler doesn't end. I, and the and the thought process they'll use is well we want to keep Eckler fresh, right? That's yeah, how I, teams think. That's not how we think as fantasy players because he played great, you know. And then Gordon came back and then he didn't get enough. You know, teams tend to show their hands. Coaching staffs tend to show their hands. And unless we hear something otherwise, that Eckler's our guy. He's a three down back. We see him that way. I'm going to assume that they're going to try and uh, limit him, which makes him a ceiling play, which is why I said that I don't mind taking a wide receiver in the second, coming back with some of those running backs we talked about. Moving on to the next situation, uh, Manny Sanders, 
to me ended up in just, uh, I mean, a great football spot and a great fantasy spot. Um, well, not a great fantasy spot, but for his ADP, which hasn't moved much, it is a very good landing spot. We know that Philip, uh, that Drew Bees does mix the ball uh, around. And my question, though, is with a much better player on the roster, how much does that and the fact that Alvin Kamara was hurt last year, how much does that affect your desire to draft Michael Thomas with a top five pick? I will not have a single share of Michael Thomas at a top five pick. What about five to ten? Maybe. I just I'm so against drafting a wide receiver. Sanders has in the made first move, round. by the way. He's but he's still going in the tenth, eleventh round. But 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 Taysom Hill, dude. Um <laughs> I know, and I, I reacted in kind. Uh right now an ADP of one right now an ADP of one forty two for Mr. Sanders on FFPC. So eleventh, twelfth round, it's pretty juicy yeah, still. I yeah, I think that's solid uh, spike week potential at that ADP. And I was passing on Kamara in the fifth to tenth spot, fifth to eighth spot um, in early drafts, but I got over it. I think that injury mm-hmm. really limited him, and I think that he, um, you know, because of the dearth of running backs and his abilities. And we started seeing it a little bit at the end of the season. I'm okay with Kamara there. Yeah, to, to answer your Michael Thomas question with an Alvin Kamara answer, I would rather take Alvin Kamara in the first than Michael Thomas anywhere in the first, basically. Yeah, because it's easier to get what Michael – you know, Michael Thomas had a career year. Um, I didn't have a lot, yeah. and I paid oh, for it. Cool. Uh, but um, I'll, I'll mix him in more than I did last year. I won't be caught flat-footed like I was last year. One of the big lessons for me last year I mentioned on one of the other pods is in the first and second round, uh, if you go with heavy exposure, you can ruin your season. Yep. It, the, it, That's been the, my... You know, you can go 12 to 15% on a guy in the first and second round, and that is enough. You know, mm-hmm. to, you know, because the guys who get hurt and underperform out of the first and second round give you three, four, five percent win rates. Every year, the lowest w- win rates are guys in the first and second round. Um, and it's just not worth the risk to load up and get 25 percent uh, if they crush yeah, you had a great year, but, you know, even from an injury per- – and the, and the other thing is, you go 25% on a guy, think of how much he has to outperform other first and second round picks to pay that off to the point where you're out of it by not having him. Yeah. And then that, add that, that been... to the risk, you know, compare that to the risk of injury – or a poor season, and and I again I'll reiterate twelve to fifteen percent for me, and I haven't done my exposure pod yet because you know all the Corona stuff and 
I was going to do that one next. But uh, the basics of exposure, I didn't follow it last year. It bit me in the ass, and it won't happen again this year. That has been the single hardest and, you know, longest lesson for me to learn is being overexposed to first and second round players. Uh, I will not make that mistake again this year. Um, but I mean, this is, I've really only done best ball seriously for two years now. So this will be my third. Uh, and that is definitely a lesson that is better learned early. All right. Um, well, let's move on to an ex saint, um, uh, in Carolina, the boogie woogie bugle boy, bugle boy and Teddy B. Um, most of you are too young to even get that reference. I'm too young to have lived through it. So you guys are just screwed. Sorry about that. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> has gone to the Matt rule offense. There's so much talent there. Thoughts on Teddy B. Uh, I think he is, Probably okay if, uh, as like a quarterback three if you're taking three quarterbacks on an extended roster for best ball. Um, the bigger impact, I think, is to the wide receivers on that team. Um, everyone, you know, talking about the – the oh, God, now I'm drawing a blank – but Curtis Samuel, everyone's talking about, oh, intended air yards. There we go. Bingo. Got it. Uh, in, intended air yard darling of last year, Curtis Samuel. He has all this ceiling. Well, now you have a quarterback who really isn't taking many shots downfield. I think that plays better into DJ Moore's skill sets than Curtis Samuel. Uh, so I like DJ Moore at ADP. Curtis Samuel, I'll probably be even field uh, without putting too much in-depth thought on it. Agreed. I think that uh, DJ Moore, think of the numbers he put up with Kyle Allen last year. I think Teddy's an an upgrade over Kyle Allen, significant one, probably. Um, The one thing about Teddy Bridgewater, both in Minnesota and in New Orleans, was that he was managed. They didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. they, 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 they both used him on a lot of short passes. And he did look to have made an improvement last year on longer passes, uh, but that's in, uh, you know, uh, one of the ideal offenses in the NFL. But I I think Bridgewater's sneaky. I feel good about DJ Moore. My question is, you know, we were coming off seeing ungodly usage for Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, and I, I think you have to take him at the number one, but I'm not as excited about taking him at number one now as I was, uh, you know, in the last year. Yeah, I, I'm okay with it. Uh, the reason is that team is still going to be mostly hot garbage and they're going to be playing from behind a lot and you're going to see more 10, 12 catch games out of him, uh, similar to last year. So, I'm okay with it. Uh, Obviously, ceiling is always there with CMC from a weekly perspective, and I think the floor is going to be there with such heavy pass game usage. Yeah, that's a good answer. I like that. All right, let's move on to the the Dallas Cowboys. So, you know, they bring in Mike McCarthy. They let Cobb go. They re-sign Cooper. 
We all know they screwed up with Zeke. Um, what are your thoughts on Zeke? Uh, you know, top three pick, uh, Cooper and uh, Gallup going in the fifth, sixth round. And I can't remember right now. Who did they sign to be the third wide receiver? Oh, shit. Put me on the spot. I don't remember, honestly. Hold on. I thought they brought someone in, didn't they? Oh, no, they didn't. Uh, okay. I don't think they did, that, that, no, that's where that's where my Tony Pollard love um, is, you know, of his floor is really shining through. I think McCarthy's smart enough to you to possibly use him in the old Randall Cobb, uh, you know, mode when Randall Cobb still was, you know, just this elusive guy who could run it or or, or catch passes. I, I think uh, Tony Pollard is in for a much bigger year than people think. I'm a little shy on Gallup in the sixth. I think there's other good options there. Uh, and I'm I'm fine with Amari in the third. Yes, I agree pretty much across the board. What's going to be really telling, all the reports out of Dallas have been it's still Kellen Moore's offense. He's still going to be calling plays. Mike McCarthy has been every, you know, for all those years in Green Bay, he has been so – adamant of keeping control of the offense and it's it was so dated and tough to watch I'm a, I'm a Packers fan so we'll see how that power struggle goes if Mike McCarthy is really like a born again new age head coach that he's going to allow his you know one one of the better up and coming offensive coordinators in the league who is probably going to get a shot at a head coaching position in the next two or three years Kellen Moore uh, we'll see if if he's still allowed to, you know, run that offense because it's, it was really a beauty to watch last year. Um, yeah, Zeke. I, I I think that, but I'll let you get to Zeke. I just want to jump in for a sec. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I think though, where McCarthy will still have some say is the role of the player, and okay. I, you know, I I, I think that it, it will be a Kellen Moore offense, but I I do think that and 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 then we what we don't know is how much Jason Garrett held back on Pollard. So, yeah. Go ahead, uh answer that and then go for Zeke. Um yeah, I like I like Pollard a lot. I I was all aboard the Pollard train last year. Um at ADP makes total sense as your, you know, RB 4-5 range something something like that. Um, for best ball roster with Zeke, I'm still pretty hesitant to pay RB three price. Um, I just think that but, from a yeah, but but I will, I will make sure. But the next sure five running least, backs are just as questionable. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to finish that sentiment with I will make sure that I'm at least even weight on Zeke this year. Yeah, I don't mind being slightly underweight, but, uh, you know, and, and it's hard to choose your your ownership on the top three picks, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's hard, you know, sometimes it's hard in the first round to choose your ownership at all because, you know, they just go off the board same in every draft. This year we're yeah. seeing, you know, four or five guys up for grabs after Zeke which makes Zeke really, you know, if you're not getting third picks, you're not going to have, you're not going to have much choice on how much Zeke you get. Um, Cause he doesn't drop the fourth. Yeah. 
Uh, last situation that I want to cover because we re- we've been going an hour and uh, but I think this is one that definitely deserves to be hit on. I wasn't crazy about the Nick Foles signing. You know, you trade for him when you could get what get Cam Newton for free. Um, you know, just a, you know, there were so many thing other guys out there. Um, I felt like it was Ryan Pace being Ryan Pace taking the easy way out. That being said, I, I think he's an upgrade for Allen Robinson, who I was already high on. Yeah, they're they're going to talk about all off season until camp, some whenever that is hits about Foles being brought in to push Trubisky and it to be a quarterback competition. I don't think they're spending that kind of money and trade. Uh, well, I guess what did they give? Just a fifth rounder for him, something like that. I, I disagree. Um, but, uh, to me, to, you know, again, I, I I feel like people are very consistent in covering their ass. And Pace's job is tied up in Mitchell Trubisky. And Foles is the guy that gives you plausible deniability that you brought someone in, but still allows you to play Trubisky. I mean, am I being too cynical there? Yes and no. I mean, we're talking about Pace, so. (laughs) Uh, One of the worst-run organizations in the past five years, Chicago Bears, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. If if a bears if a bear if the bears shit in a trade, and no one sees it, do the bears <laughs> shit in the trade? No. Yeah, I mixed my happen. metaphors. I mixed yeah. my metaphors. <laughs> anyway, that, that's going to do it. Anything else you want to talk about, Mark? Before we get out of here. I think we just about covered it, man. Uh, glad to be back. Glad to be talking football again. Uh, everybody, you better, you better start from... doing some best balls because I'm counting on you for more pods this year. There you go. Well, I better than I owe it to I owe it to you then. We had <laughs> uh, we we, we had good chemistry during the season and the people responded to us. Um, so I thought it would be good to keep going. Um, glad yes, to sir. have Mark back. I just interrupted him and talked over him. So Mark, again, uh, any last thoughts? Oh, dude, I think we had a couple questions. Really? Um, sh- by, at by Shawners, have you guys discussed your favorite sites to play best ball? Uh, well, the, my favorite was dead uh, or is now dead, uh, play draft. But, yeah, over to you. Ball's in your court, FanDuel. You botched that one. Well, uh, but I mean, as of right now. It, the whole, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole show I was talking about the FFPC and Fanball, and speaking of the FFPC, I neglected because of uh, my little prayer. I got thrown off a little bit, but we are brought to you by our friends at the FFPC. The FFPC is the home of season-long dynasty, and of course, best ball starting at thirty-five dollars. And I am a big fan of the FFPC. I think the scoring format really leads you to be able to do what you need to do to build a roster based on the talent available to you early in drafts versus being more formulaic. 
the fact that you only have to start two wide receivers and that it's tight end premium and that there's 28 rounds. So if you want to play around and punt a position and hit it hard late, it gives you a tremendous amount of options. Uh, go to myffpc.com and sign up today. Mark, go ahead. Boom. Dig it. FFPC is my favorite. Uh, I do play a little bit on fan ball, MFL, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I my, did that off of the my top of action. my head, by the way. Yeah, that was nice, dude. I wasn't reading it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know. But I talked yeah. about them all, all, all pod. I, I'm not going to feel too guilty. There you go. Um, another from Vapeman77, Justin Jones. If you can touch on players like Edelman and Watson. We covered Watson. Um, Edelman's falling in drafts for – this is a best ball pod, so talking about Edelman in a best ball sense. Uh, oh, God, what is his ADP? Do you have it anywhere close? I can look it up quick. Uh, my, my issue with Edelman is who's going around him. And will Mm -hmm. whoever they sign like him as much as Brady did? And will they have the, um, you know, will they have the connection? You add that to the fact that Edelman is a quick twitch guy and he's was beaten to death last year. And it, it, and the fact that he was never a big touchdown guy. I, I, you know, I'm just not loving Edelman. It's not loading right this second, of course. Uh, I'll get the (laughs) fan ball one. But the, uh, but I'm not loving Edelman. How about you? Yeah, same. I was, I was going to say pretty much the exact same sentiment. I mean, people have floated the idea of the um, Patriots tanking. It's so hard to even conceive of Bill Belichick doing that. I mean, you know, I think it's more likely that he goes 10 and six with uh, the backup quarterback than they go and go two and 12, uh, two and 14 and uh, get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Your thoughts. Yeah, I tend to agree, but you know, Belichick is still out here playing chess against checkers. uh, So who knows? I just pulled up uh, Edelman's, FFPC ADP, he's at wide receiver 33-88 overall, right ahead of Will Fuller and Christian Kirk. So we talked about kind of our love for Fuller and Kirk still. Uh, I'd be much more inclined to take the shots at upside uh, with Fuller and Kirk as opposed to Edelman. Uh, Agreed, agreed. Um, So uh, the last thing I want to mention, you know, a lot of us, uh, a lot of you might know about the Hardway League that we did last year, a $350 FFPC. Most of the people from that league are going to be doing a $35 best ball starting this week. I will send out information on that, and then Mark and I will come on afterwards and maybe some other guys from the draft talk about our picks and some situations. A lot of really talented people in that league. I was honored to be uh, the number, you know, to come in second. And I really probably should have won it. I had three guys crap the bed the last week uh, that shouldn't have, including Stefan Diggs. But uh, uh, keep an eye out for that. And I wanted to thank Mark for joining us. That's going to do it for this episode of the Run to Daylight podcast. Again, 
check out our friends over at the FFPC. They will be hosting the Hardway Best Ball, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. See you.